We are starting a new series today. You've got the insert. I once had one here, and it's disappeared, but it's okay. It's the same color as the outside of the building, so you probably can't miss it. Um, It is a description of what's happening over these next several weeks here on Sunday mornings. And to give you an idea of these weeks leading into Easter. Wow. This is service. Thank you very much. What a good guy. His dad should be commended. <laughs> his mom should be commended. That's for sure. On this uh, insert, it gives you an idea of where we're going the next several weeks, six weeks to be exact, and uh, helping us cover our uh, six Sundays leading up to Easter. Now, if you're like me, you may have grown up where Lent was not a big part of your spiritual life, and uh, maybe it was. Uh, maybe you think it has no more meaning for you, and that's okay. It uh, doesn't have to, but Lent, for many, and increasingly in churches like ours, has become more and more important. Uh, just like Advent before Christmas has become important for us to help, as Christmas approaches, to help our hearts and our minds be focused on the meaning of Christmas, Lent is, in similar ways, a way of helping us focus our attention on Easter and its significance in our lives. And this is the time, I remember I had kids on my street that would do fasting and different things during this week, and I, I was always so intrigued because I never knew uh, what that was like. And so I've learned now as an adult that it was during these uh, this season of Lent that uh, those types of things happened. Uh, but we are starting today, uh, at these themes also are the same headings as uh, our small group study that begins this week for many of you. And um, sometimes there will be some intersecting of, of these particular themes, sometimes not. They'll just kind of run parallel to one another. But today is the idea of purpose and thinking together about purpose and what is God's purpose in the world and what is God's purpose in your Life and to be thinking a little bit more together. Random House Dictionary defines purpose with three statements. Number one, purpose is the reason for which something exists. Number two, purpose is an intended or desired result or the goal. Definition number three for purpose is it is determination, it's resoluteness. Someone has resolved to do something. To complete a task, to see it through to the end. And because of Easter, you and I have purpose. Here's how I want to correlate these three definitions to what the Bible would say about purpose. And more important, what Jesus specifically says about purpose. If definition number one about purpose is the reason for which something exists... What I want us to think about this morning is answering the question, who do you know? Who do you know? For whom do you exist? Number two, purpose is an intended or desired result. The result of Christian living is to grow into Christ-likeness. So who do you know and how do you grow? Number three is determination or resoluteness. And in Christian faith, that is a determination to go where Jesus would lead you. So the answer is, or the question is, where you go is is helping to evaluate our lives. Who do you know? How do you grow? And where do you go? Because of Easter, my life 
has real purpose. So here's what I'd like to do today before we share together in the Lord's Supper. Is to take these three ideas. Who do I know? How do I grow? And where do I go? And to compare them and to hear what Jesus specifically said about these for your life and for the church's life. Number one. And then to take each one and to look at the Apostle Paul who lived after the resurrection of Jesus and to see an example of one who understood who he should know, how he should grow, and where he should go. And to use Paul as an example of one whom we can emulate our Christian life after. In fact, Paul invited us to do such. He said, follow me as I follow the example of Jesus. So I want to look at who we know, how we grow, and where we go. Out of the prayer of Jesus for you, it's Jesus' purpose. Those three things are Jesus' purpose for your life. And then how Paul, a Christian person, lived those realities out in his life and is an example for us to follow. Does that make sense? You with me? You ready to go? Let's go. Let's go. My kids play video games and sports sometimes, and they do something good and they get excited, and it's like, let's go! Let's say it with me. Let's go! Come on, wake up. Let's go! All right, let's go. Because of Easter, my life has a purpose. Number one, who you know. Who we are to know, of course, is the living God. Jesus' purpose for you is that He wants you to know God. He wants you to know the majestic, mysterious, and marvelous God and the God who loves you. And what we're going to do with each of these is that we're going to look in John chapter 17. And you're going to see, uh, just for time's sake this morning, a few verses projected. You can go back, and I invite you to this week, and read John 17. Because John 17 is one of the most interesting passages in all of the Scripture to me. Because it's as if someone has put a smartphone right beside Jesus as he's praying. And that prayer has been recorded so that you and I can listen we can hear the exact prayer and the things that were important on the heart of Jesus for the very end of his life. So it's not just teaching you how to pray. We're actually listening to what it was that Jesus actually prayed. And if God is the creator of the universe, and he is, and if Jesus is God in the flesh, come on earth, and he is, And if Jesus has come into the earth on purpose to die for your sin, sin is what the Bible describes as the thing that that obstructs us from knowing God. And Jesus in his death, he removes that obstacle. And that was the purpose for his coming. And it is. And if our life knows its only true purpose in coming into a relationship with Jesus, then what other purpose... What other purpose for your living, for your future, for your children's future, for your community, for your workplace? What other purpose would ever be more important than focusing on the very purpose that Jesus prayed for you and for his church to be and to become? That's why I want to focus here. For a few minutes this morning. John chapter 17. You feel free to put a a thumb there, a finger, if you want to come back and look at that later. It'll be provided for you. But here's what Jesus says. As he prays, Jesus looked toward heaven and he prayed. 
He said, Father, now this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. That they may know you, who? That the church may know you, that my followers may really know you. Jesus came in the flesh in order to pull the curtain back so that we could really see and know and understand who God is. That was His purpose in coming. He has come to reveal God to us as God in the flesh. Now, there's a difference between knowing about someone and actually knowing them. You know the difference, right? You can know a lot about somebody. In fact, you can Google so many different people and you can know a lot about them. What they like, where they vacation, what they like to eat. But it doesn't mean you necessarily know them. One of my best friends growing up uh, through high school, uh, he he became the personal assistant to the governor in the state where I grew up. And I had the opportunity to get to know the governor a little bit through my friend. I had never met the governor, but I thought I, I knew a little bit about him. But as my friend Todd continued to talk about the things that motivated Governor Keating many years ago, I began to realize, well, Todd actually knows Governor Keating. I just kind of know about him. And I did have the opportunity to be introduced to him, but I never knew him to the extent that Todd did. There's, there's a difference between knowing about somebody and actually knowing them. Jesus' prayer for you and for me and for his church is that you and I would know, would know God, would know God. I want you to think about that for a minute and how astounding it is that you have been prayed for by Christ Jesus that you would know God. This is one of the reasons that we have been encouraging you this year to read the Bible. Is that if you don't currently have a Bible reading plan, this is a great opportunity today and this week to jump into the Read Scripture reading plan. You can download the app on your, your device, your smartphone. You can get the reading plan. I think there are some copies out there. An email has gone out a couple of times. It has a link if you just want to get the paper reading plan. We just started a couple of days ago reading into the book of Exodus. So it's a, a great chance to just jump in right, right where we are because it is so important that you and I make scripture reading a priority if we are to really know God, if we're to really know what is important to God, because we get things so messed up because we, we, we adopt cultural assumptions in our thinking and we assume that God has to fit through that grid and it, we get it backwards rather than saying this is what is honoring to the Lord and I have to adjust myself to it. We get to know God by reading the scripture. Here's the example of the Apostle Paul. If you don't remember, maybe you've not really known about who the Apostle Paul is. He was the great persecutor of the church. In fact, at the very beginning of the church, his sole purpose was the very opposite of what it became. For Paul, the sole purpose was to exterminate the church. In fact, he had permission from the authorities to go and arrest men and women and drag them off to prison. He stood as witness to execution. Paul's purpose was to exterminate the church because he saw it as a threat. And one day he was walking or on his way with his cohort. He was on his way to the uh, town of Damascus um, and 
this blinding light comes from heaven and, and this voice comes and God meets him in a very powerful moment in the book of Acts. And if you're familiar with the story, you know his whole life wasn't just this horse that was turned upside down, but his whole life went topsy-turvy because Jesus spoke to him, Jesus encountered him, and Jesus said, Paul, actually changed his name, says, this is now your new purpose. And we know Paul now because he was one who's written a lot of the New Testament. Paul worked through him to drive the the early mission movements of the church. But it was the Apostle Paul later, the Apostle Paul after the resurrection of Jesus, who who said that his, his purpose in life was that he wanted to know Christ and the power of Jesus' resurrection and the fellowship of His sufferings. Now, I don't know all that that means, but I know I like the idea of knowing Christ. Amen? Amen. Can I get an amen? Amen. Alright. I know I like the idea of knowing the power of the resurrection of Christ. You know what I'm saying? Let's go! But the fellowship of the sufferings, I'm not sure about all of that just yet. But I'm learning. Paul's purpose in his life was to know Jesus Christ. And you see it throughout the New Testament whenever you encounter Paul after that Damascus Road vision from God was that his sole purpose was to know God and to glorify God and to honor God. Is that your sole purpose? Is that your overarching purpose in life? That is Jesus' prayer for you. That you would know, you would know the Father. Number two, it's who you know. But if we are to have purpose in our lives, it's also how we grow. How we grow is becoming more and more like Jesus. Jesus wants you to grow in faith, love, and purity. In your life. Here's his prayer in John 17. He says about the church, he says, Father, sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. As you have sent me into the world, I have sent them, the church, into the world. For them I sanctify myself, but they too, that they too may be truly sanctified. Sanctified is a fancy word for something that's set apart, something that's growing. Something that's maturing over time. It has a special purpose. Growing to be like Jesus is the intent in Jesus' prayer for you. That you and I would look increasingly like Him. One of my favorite images in the Old Testament is the image of the, the silversmith. And how the silversmith in days gone old, they, they would gather around this, this wood that would burn really hot. And they would blow on it. And it would get really hot, and they would take their receptacle, and they'd put their silver bits in there, and it would get really hot, and after a while, that that metal silver would begin to melt, and it would become liquid, and and as you continued to heat it and keep the fire on, the impurities would begin to come up toward the top, and that's called dross, and a good silversmith knows how to take their instruments and to scrape the top of that silver and to remove the dross, and you keep heating it, because with the more heat... And continued attention, more impurities boil up to the top and you remove that. And one of the the great pictures is that a silversmith would would be able to begin to know when, when the silver was coming to a useful place. 
A place that was now ready to be fashioned for something beautiful that the silversmith would look and, and see his own reflection right there in the quality of it. And so God is described as a refining fire in our lives. God is described as one who, who will come in the good and the bad, in the challenges and the strengthening moments, and he will come and shape you. And he wants to work through all of your life, all of the seasons of your life. And he wants to see the impurities come up so that increasingly you reflect the image of Jesus so that when he looks down over your life, He's not seeing you as much as he's seeing a reflection of himself and his character in you. Does that make sense? That as we grow, it's about growing into the likeness of Jesus. But life can interrupt our good intentions. There are seasons when we get really started well and growing in the Lord, but then a new baby comes into the family and it requires serious adjustments. Oh boy. I remember 14 years ago, almost 15 years ago, when our first came, and my goodness, I, people have been telling me what an adjustment was to come, and I, I found out a big adjustment was needed. But our best intentions need adjustment over time. Life can get in the way. Retirement can bring such a differing uh, daily routine that all of a sudden things feel so disjointed. Even success, success at our workplaces can so expand our life and our schedule that what already felt like an overfilled schedule where God somehow never really fits, that now He certainly can't because look how successful I am and the demands now placed on my life. And so new decisions have to be made. A new attention has to be given. New priorities, or at least renewed priorities, have to be sorted out. The example of Paul, if Jesus' prayer is that we would, we would grow in, in sanctification from, from the moment we first say yes and we confess our sin to Christ to the moment we breathe our very last bit of oxygen on this planet, we are in the process of being sanctified more and more in the process into the, the image and character of Jesus. The Apostle Paul, he, he would say different things in different places about growing in Christ. One of the places in Philippians chapter 3, he's talking about money. But what he's talking about is he's learned that it doesn't matter the circumstances of his life. It doesn't matter if he's got a plush bank account or he doesn't know where he's going to eat his next meal. That That's important, but that doesn't determine if he's contented in his life. And here's what he says. He says, I've learned the secret of being content. So he knew what it was to be content, whether he had a lot or nothing. But it was something that he learned. And how did he learn it? Because he knew that there were seasons in his life when he was really successful and had a lot. And there were other seasons when he had almost nothing. And sometimes less than nothing. And it was through those seasons that he learned this secret that his contentment was because he knew and was growing in his relationship to Jesus Christ. And so it is for you and me that we are to grow in our reflection of who Jesus is in us. Are you still with me? All right. We're coming into the home stretch. Thirdly is where you go. Being involved in God's purposes for His world. In your world, there, Jesus' prayer is that there will be others who come to know Him 
Because you had a part to play in it. Because the church is present in Tiburon and in southern Marin County and around the Bay Area, that God is known because people have had a part to play. You've had a part to play in certain lives. That's part of Jesus' prayer. Here's what He says. They are not, they, the church, are not of the world any more than I am of the world. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. My prayer is not for them alone. Listen, I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. This is the prayer of Jesus. The example of the Apostle Paul about resoluteness, about being determined, comes in his great catalog of some of the the challenges, to put it mildly, that he faced in his own life and ministry. I want to read this for you out of 2 Corinthians chapter 11. Listen to some of the indignities that Paul suffered. Some of the injustices that he suffered. And I want you to ask yourself the question, why would he do this? What a glutton for punishment Paul was. <laughs> That's one conclusion. I think it's wrong, but listen to what he says. Five times I received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Parentheses. It's not people throwing rocks. It was people trying to execute him. That's what that means. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I have been constantly on the move. I have been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my own countrymen, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, and in danger from false brothers. I have labored and toiled and have often gone without sleep. I have known hunger and thirst and have often gone without food. I have been cold and naked. And you might say, what in the world? What was he doing? (laughs) Why would he do this? It's because he was resolute in what his purpose was. His life was so changed In that moment on the Damascus Road, and from that day forward, his life so developed into the likeness of Christ, not perfect, but into the likeness of Jesus, that he was so determined to fulfill the purpose God had for him, that even all of this list of things that happened, these bad things, these terrible things, these things that I, for one, would have given up after the first beating, not the third beating, People tried to execute me because of my faith. I don't know what I would do. But Paul, Paul was resolute in finishing out all the way to the end what God had called him to be and to do. Because he knew his purpose. And he knew that his purpose was to go through the world and to share the good news of the love of God that is known through Jesus Christ. So I have a question for you. Is your life defined by this prayer of Jesus for you and for His church. Who do you know? How do you grow? And where do you go? Does your life mirror that of Paul, who modeled for us what it is to live with purpose because of the resurrection of Jesus? It's because of the resurrection, because of Easter. The Apostle Paul knew 
what purpose was. Do you? The reason for which something exists. Do you know Jesus Christ personally? Purpose is an intended or desired result. Are you growing more deeply to know Jesus? Purpose is determination and resoluteness. What is the overarching drive that carries you through your life? Is it money? Is it developing your career? Is it having your name become a household name on the lips of everybody? What is it that drives you forward? For the Apostle Paul, it was clear. In the prayer of Jesus, his desire for you is clear. It's about who you know. It's about how you grow. And it's about where you go with Christ. As we gather around the Lord's Supper this morning, I want us to be mindful of these realities. That this is our opportunity. We do this about once a month, as most of you know. Because we want to be reminded that our nourishing and our our growth and that which most feeds us is God's Spirit at work in us, the, the formation of Christ in us. We're reminded that we don't live just on the breakfast that we ate this morning or the lunches that you have planned in the coming week or the dinners around your family table. All those are great. But we live more by more than just that. We live on every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. This is a nourishing moment and a reminder of who God is and what He has done and how we are to know Him more. Let me invite the deacons who are serving today to join me here at the front.